If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. We have a lot to get to, as is usual, usually the case on today's program. But we have a conversation after the program yesterday. I spoke with Senator Mike Braun, one of Indiana's uh, great senators here. Well, it's a senator from the great state of Indiana, excuse me, but... Uh, Senator Braun and I have been uh, – he's been on this program for some time, and um, I have I have respect for Senator Braun, but as you've known on this program, we've uh, been clamoring, and you have too. We've been clamoring for more elected representatives to actually stand up and speak out against what we're seeing in – uh, in this election nationwide. And I will say this, um, there was, I didn't hear any of it for a long time, for about a month from really anyone locally. I've mentioned some nationally that were out speaking. Uh, Marsha Blackburn was on this program, Senator from Tennessee. Of course, we had Jim Jordan and Louie Gohmert and Matt Gates and folks like that, but not many uh, could be seen across the country. Jim Banks had uh, signed on to something in the House regarding election and uh, integrity and voter fraud or so. I drawn a blank specifically what it was, but outside of that, there wasn't there wasn't much. And so prior to my, I, I'd reached out. We had reached out to several people. Uh, including Senator Braun, including Senator Todd Young, and a couple of of others, representatives, and really didn't hear back. We had heard back from the Braun team. Uh, In fact, one time we were going to – we had a date that we were looking at pretty seriously, and then there was not an availability or some such thing. So I was getting – Frustrated, and I still, I still am definitely at the overall picture of things. But things, I do sense that the tide is turning here. I do sense, to some degree, that the tide is turning in this, um, with where we stand, especially in the wake of what happened in Georgia yesterday, which we'll we'll talk about. See, uh, suitcases full of ballots, nothing to see here. You know, the same party that told us about Russian collusion, Russian interference, and all this stuff for years. They can't find anything suspicious about this. In fact, they 
are blaming people for chasing conspiracy conspiracy theories. They're the ones <laughs> they're, they're the ones that literally thought that Pokemon Go ads uh, produced by Russian agents could hypnotize people into casting votes for Trump instead of Hillary. And they're going to lecture us about conspiracy theories. Not not every conspiracy uh, is just a theory. Sometimes there's evidence of conspiracies. In fact, I've shared before I was on a a jury that uh, we convicted an individual of conspiracy. Um, they're not all theories. Some of them, I mean, clearly there's the, the tin foil hat version, but then there's the evidence and the testimony, the coordination and the intimidation that the dramacrats in certain states use. And I say dramacrats because it's a performance for these folks. But anyway, I've been... Uh, I, I sense that the tide is somewhat turning. More, you'll, you're seeing more folks come to the forefront. And so, prior to my interview with with uh, Senator Braun, I had seen that he had written an op-ed in the Washington Examiner, uh, kind of uh, criticizing the media for not looking into this. I was I was pleased. I applauded him. For that, I also saw him walk into the hornet's nest at MSNBC, which is – look, I mean that's that's not a friendly environment. That's, um, that's asking for it. They're not there to try to get a fair perspective and, and give a conservative or a Republican a platform to communicate their message clearly so that their audience can say, oh, that's really what conservatives and Republicans or whatever think. That's not the point of that. So he goes, and this is exactly what more people need to be doing. So I, I applaud him for that. I, I'm just setting up this interview uh, because, um, you know, no matter who we have on this program, we're always going to be respectful and gracious to our guests. Um, we're not going to have screaming matches or anything like that. So this was nothing of the sort. In fact, I've, as I said just just moments ago, I'm I've, I'm pleased as to what Senator Braun is doing. Uh, beginning this week. Others need to follow suit. Others need to follow suit. And again, I'm going to, here on the program, ask uh, our other senator, Todd Young, to follow suit. I don't like to say these things. I would like to say tell you that our elected officials are doing what they should be doing. But in my estimation, Senator Young and other Republicans in this state, in this country, who have seen what's going on regarding voter fraud, voter intimidation, voter integrity, or lack thereof, they are whistling past the graveyard. They're tweeting things and putting social media posts about whatever, stuff that's traditional politics sort of thing. Hey, here we are at the you know, this event. Look at my speech on introducing this legislation or this person. I get, look, business has to go on as usual. I get it. A certain amount of that is always part of what's happening in Washington. Okay, I guess to a point. But folks, we are in – if we lose the election integrity, if, if people cease to have confidence in this election, this nation as we know it is completely over. People – well-meaning people, conservative people have always thought – We'll make the difference at the ballot box. You know, we'll go and we'll cast our ballot. That's how we'll make our voice known. What happens when you lose that 
that right? That's my question. What happens? Right? We know what the left goes out, the radical left, and they burn buildings down and they riot. And uh, sometimes it's peaceful protests. Sometimes it's violent riots. Sometimes it's peaceful protests that turn into violent riots or whatever the case may be. Conservatives don't do that. Conservatives, again, go to the ballot box. And what happens when their confidence in the ballot box is completely zero? And if what is being alleged with Dominion voting systems and voter fraud and printed ballots and suitcases of ballots turns out to be unequivocally true, undeniably true, then that's go- – and we don't do anything about it. Whether it be for this election or for future elections, what are conservatives going to do? That's why Republicans need to be out there. I'm going to take an early break here because this interview, this, this conversation with Senator Braun is – uh, about about 20 minutes. So I want to make sure we get to that whole entire interview. So a quick timeout is in order. But again, uh, that's going to be the next segment, my, my discussion with him. Uh, I'm grateful for him coming on. I'm grateful for him stepping up and beginning to speak out and lead on this. More need to do this. And I asked him about that. Why? What would he say to people who are not? So that'll come after the break. Quick timeout is in order. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Senator Mike Braun, one of Indiana's two senators. And for those of you listening to this program and Senator Braun, I'll say this to you as well. I've been clamoring and many of our listeners, many Hoosiers have been clamoring for some time uh, now, for a month now, for more elected Republicans to step up and get involved in this fight regarding this election, um, all the stuff that we're seeing, all the problems and so forth. So I want to first of all commend you. You First of all, you were on uh, – you wrote an op-ed, it looks like, in the Washington Examiner, and you were on MSNBC. I guess tell us your uh, – you know, what, what you're out there trying to communicate and, and why, you, uh, why you decided to, to, to get involved and to, uh, to speak out against some of the stuff that we're seeing. Well, Todd, it was very similar uh, if you kind of uh, drift back to uh, impeachment – as it was gearing up uh, in uh, late 19, um, I was disappointed then uh, that Chuck Schumer and uh, several Democrats would, after every session, dominate, you know, the uh, the mic as they call it out here. And uh, sadly, as a freshman senator, um, I saw no other Republican, you know, at least trying to give a counterpunch or point. Uh, and then asked John Barrasso, who is uh, from Wyoming, good guy, in leadership, uh, and Tim Scott from South Carolina said, hey, I'm going to go down the mic, and I'm, I think, faster than Chuck Schumer, and we're going to get a word in edgewise. And uh, they joined me, I think, that first day, and from that point forward, we were at least getting uh, our point of view out there. And sadly, I I saw the same thing happening here again. Uh, Impeachment to me was completely vindicated because when we got through the Mueller report and it, uh, we should have been talking uh, more during it because uh, it was debunked, as the other side likes to say, and it was done formally, you know, through the vote. 
Here, um, an election uh, carries some different characteristics to it. I think it's sacred, and I think people need to be competent in them. And the way this whole thing uh, was unfurling, uh, it looked like the media, again, was getting by with that standard phrase, uh, conspiracy theory, uh, debunked, uh, you know, it's not worth talking about. With all of the instances, aside with the fact that this is the most unusual election and how it was carried out due to COVID, to think that you wouldn't have just naturally irregularities and things to look at and you dismiss it uh, just categorically. I felt it was the same kind of thing happening again that I saw on impeachment. And um, for me, uh, being the having the benefit of you know coming into politics as I did, it gives me that independence to at least step forward without having to calculate, well, is that good or bad? I do it if it makes sense. And here again, I thought it was time to at least speak about letting the process play itself out and to ask that question publicly, why is the media not throwing as much enthusiasm into what they should hear when it's the election integrity that we're talking about? Fifteen years ago, Jimmy Carter and James Baker had a commission on federal election integrity, came up with 80 different recommendations to make it more uh, uh, sound and trustworthy for the American public. Uh, I think that indicates if that was uh, in uh, the case 15 years ago, surely in a situation like you've got now, it warrants the media at least looking into some of these issues. Absolutely, it does. And they've been uh, totally ignoring this. They've not been uh, reporting on it at all. And there's a big mess with the media as as you know, and I'm sure you've uh, learned since being a senator just how corrupt and pathetic some of these folks are, which rem- which brings me to another uh, tweet or another report, I guess, that I want you to, to respond to. Carl Bernstein um, listed you and 20 other Republicans in a tweet here uh, a couple weeks ago as being uh, senators, 21 who expressed privately disdain for Trump. Um, you were listed in that. You came out, and I commend you. You said this is not true. This is fake news from CNN, whatever. Um, just, how would you respond to, to the accusations leveled uh, by Carl Bernstein? Well, again, that is the uh, hypocrisy that's uh, implicit, inherent to how the media, mainstream media rolls in the sense that uh, that didn't even make sense to anybody that read it uh, when you look at uh, – how I weighed in during impeachment and so forth. And, you know, I'm not going to be one. Uh, There's a few things I've disagreed with the president on. Sure. Um, I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm one of the few senators that will vote against a bill I like due to policy. And a lot of times, uh, you know, the White House and my point of view uh, would be different there. Uh, And in in that particular case, it – harkens back to uh, when I ran for senator. Uh, I didn't think you could have a more wholesome political resume than growing up in Jasper, Indiana, starting your own business and doing that for 37 years. But that didn't make any difference uh, when it came to how the other side, with the media complicit, you know, on all the negative advertising. Uh, It it doesn't, you know, Todd, it's frustrating there 
because uh, you would think that media would call out something when it comes to uh, even campaigns that wouldn't make sense. Don't do that as a rule if you're a conservative. Uh, they might step in otherwise, and uh, I think that was sad because that had to be embarrassing even to a guy like Carl Bernstein uh, when you have guys like Rick Scott from Florida and me from Indiana. That uh, that didn't make sense. So that was an easy one to uh, you know say it is fake news, and it also shows why it's fake news when they concoct a list like that. Didn't check with us, put us on it, had to elicit a response. But uh, uh, that's part and parcel the way it works. That's right, and that's why I think it's so important what you're doing. I commend you for walking into the hornet's nest. That I, I saw the interview. You tweeted out the interview of. Uh, where you were on MSNBC, which is yeah, literally walking straight into the fire, and that's that's what we have to do. And because of uh, the the media fake news, or I call them professional deceivers, this is a big chunk of them. And it's not against the Constitution or free speech to point this out. If what we're saying is inaccurate about the way that they're reporting or the things that they're saying, they can put their big boy and big girl pants on and tell us why we're wrong. But the truth is. These folks are deliberately creating a narrative. We've seen this with the CNN uh, leaked tapes that uh, James O'Keefe has recently released. So we know that it's uh, – this is a coordinated effort on many fronts to silence conservatives, misrepresent uh, the beliefs and the, the individuals who carry those beliefs. So that's why it's so important for folks to stand up who are elected officials. So I'm going to ask you – I guess I, I don't want you to speculate – on why other senators or elected Republicans haven't been at the forefront here because we, you know, as far as talking about the election integrity and so forth. But what would you say to those? What would you say to those who aren't standing up um, and speaking out at this critical time? I I think Senator Braun, uh, of course, there's business has to go on as usual in this, in this country, but some of the things I've seen on senators uh, – social media feeds, it's almost like they're whistling past the graveyard here. We, we've got this legitimate problem with election integrity. No word about any of that. What would you say to your colleagues or other Republicans who have not entered into this uh, discussion and who are not vociferously you know, pointing out what's wrong here? Well, you know, in the little under two years I've been here, um, it's interesting because when you come – Remember, I didn't come from the farm system of, of politics. That's right. I came from the frustrated uh, world of being in, uh, an entrepreneur and enterprise and having to contend with uh, the rules and regulations and uh, the uh, output from this place. So uh, there are a few other senators like a Ron Johnson, uh, a Rick Scott, both, ironically, uh, entrepreneurs, business people that just don't look at the system the way most do here. And that's talk a good game when you run. Uh, most mention term limits. I will term limit myself. Uh, it would clearly fix almost everything that ails uh, this place. But, Todd, most get here, nestle in, become part of the system. Mm -hmm. And then you start calculating every move you make by – couple things. Uh, what's going to keep me in office and uh, what might please people that may write you a check? And I don't, that sounds right. maybe overly cynical, but 
there's a lot to what I just said because you start playing it safe and then you start shrinking from maybe the principles that you believe in because you don't want to take the risk. Wrestling on CNN or MSNBC is not easy either uh, because they're constantly trying to get a clip or a mm-hmm. snippet that they can post out there that you know would uh, malign uh, you know the president. Uh, and I will, and I've done it on both of those networks, uh, honestly said, where I don't agree with uh, something that the president might do. I'm going to say it honestly either way. That way you don't have to remember what you said. First of all, stick with it. But it's mostly just having the get up and go to do it and the uh, you know kind of you take risks in life building a business and you have to do it politically, but mostly just uh, making the effort and not calculating if you're going to do it or not in terms of how it might impact you. Uh, and many, I think, do that here. I call it getting nestled in. Yeah, well, and you're right. I think I think um, it's it's a constant campaign for people. I think for many folks, the job number one is to keep keep their seat, and it's a constant uh, election mode. But I, I'm amazed, Senator Braun, to see how – People have watched Trump, and Trump went to the people. He built this. Uh, he, many Americans have just been completely won over to Trump, and he built that connection with people. He did what a lot of people consider to be the common sense, the obvious thing. And so, why don't I guess do people in D.C. just not see it? Do they see? Do they see? Wow, that was he's connected with people, but man, he's really had to walk through the fire <laughs> of the media. Like, what what is it that that prevents them from saying, you know, what if I just stood up and was a fighter like President Trump, um, I would my I, I could bypass a lot of those problems. I wouldn't have to worry so much about getting reelected because people would be behind me, energized and saying, yes, this is what needs to be done. I mean, what what's the mindset? What prevents that from happening? Well, I think, first of all, uh, people are mostly risk-averse. Obviously, a guy like Trump uh, would uh, maybe push the envelope sometimes too far and too hard. And maybe that is uh, one of the things that he probably uh, never felt quite comfortable with when she went from running and winning it to then governing. But that uh, appeal to people that are sick and tired with business as usual in D.C. is why he got more votes than any other presidential candidate other than you can see how tough the system is because they got galvanized because I think they were surprised, number one, he made it through the gauntlet of the Republican primary, and number two, won the election. And then I think it shook the system. And since he's been here, uh, they've tried to uh, do everything they can to uh, not let it happen again. And I don't know if you can say it was successful or not, but that's what you're up against. Mm -hmm. Uh, And anybody here knows that once you get here, because this hasn't occurred overnight. It's evolved over decades uh, to where you've got this big, huge bureaucracy. You've got the people, say the board of directors being the U.S. Senate, that all generally swing in the same direction. And uh, yes, it, uh, back in 2016, uh, the American public could see it. 
he got in there, but then four years were spent to try to make sure it didn't happen again. That's why I'm hoping that there are enough of us that come in as recruits to keep the system at least to where we're talking about the things that don't work, whether we'll ever change it to where it would reflect that kind of point of view, the way the founders had it intended. Don't come here, make a career out of it, get back to where you came from, let others come in. Term limits would fix it. Uh, sadly, I don't think we'll ever get there unless it's done through a crisis. But uh, that doesn't mean that you can't get more people like me, Rick Scott, others that have not made their life in politics here. And I think the American public will always appreciate that and reward you, uh, even though you're fighting against the system, to win in the first place and then persevere once you're here. I think people are longing for that. Senator Braun, you've been gracious to me with your time. One more question. I'm sure you've followed to some degree um, some of the uh, evidence, some of the testimony uh, that's being provided uh, by the Trump legal team, whether it's by Sidney Powell and uh, Lynn Wood or the Amistad Project or whatever. But I'm curious, if you were in the state legislature at, in Michigan, how, what you would do at this point? Because I think the evidence that they presented last night, if you watched any of that, which was a sideshow. I did watch <clears throat> some of that, and that was plenty. You know, the the other the media asked for, well, give us something. Uh, there's been nothing. Exactly. That was not nothing. And I think the legislatures in uh, these states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania uh, ought to be stepping up and uh, they need to if it doesn't stop there you know where uh, the people and your representatives are a lot closer to one another that if that accountability doesn't motivate uh, legislatures like in Michigan to do something um, that's the point where it's even spread further than the swamp in DC I'd be disappointed. Uh, and I think, again, you've got to do it uh, methodically. You've got to make the case in a way that uh, it's not emotional, uh, not based upon uh, true evidence. But yes, the point of my article in the Washington Examiner and speaking out about it is you need, at least need to make the effort before you dismiss it as being conspiracy theory or that it doesn't count, or if you'll have people questioning elections uh, from here forward. That's exactly right. So if, if, if you're on that body, would you, because I mean, you know, state law says, you know, that the... the sure I would. I'd be far uh, pushing it to where you either find something that makes sense or you say, hey, we made our best concerted effort and it just wasn't there. And that's where you end any of this is you can't say that, hey, uh, just for the sake of on the surface or because the mainstream media says there's nothing there, that you do nothing. And I hope they do push it and take it to the point where they say, hey, it doesn't amount to uh, the threshold of what we need to go further, or yes, it does, and then they have the political will to do something about it. But would you be prepared at this point? Because we, you know, the electors have to be chosen here in the next couple of what, ten days or so. I mean, would you be to the? I'm, I mean, you've got a short window of time, but uh, I think if you see enough uh, there that gives you pause, you would have to. That doesn't mean that all that means is that you wouldn't get the electors in from that state uh, in time. Um, it would create a new uh, kind of. Uh, uh, 
probably a journey that we may not have been on uh, historically. I think there's been some uh, uh, situations similar to this, uh, but I think whether uh, it delays it or what, if if the evidence points in that direction, I don't think you should just walk away from it. So, That's yeah, right. I would be if I were in a state legislature that uh, was a pivot point. I think they owe it not only to their own citizens in Michigan, uh, but they owe it to the country as well. Is there anything that the average person can do? I mean, call, write. I mean, what what do you do here? I've, I think that largely uh, is going to have to be generated from all the uh, folks that uh, supported Trump in Michigan to make sure they're bending the ear of their representative. Well, very good. I know you're a busy man, Senator Braun. Thank you so much for being graceful and, and spending a little bit more time with us this morning. It's always a pleasure to have you on this program, and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you, Todd. Take care. All Bye-bye. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. shift gears or jump into Georgia now. Um, wanted to, it's an extent, extension of the conversation I had with Senator Braun, but this is, of course, these are developments that happened yesterday. I don't know if you watched any of these uh, hearings, but again, the amount of evidence, evidence, E-V-I-D-E-N-C-E, evidence, that was shared and presented and explained and articulated yesterday was overwhelming. I listened to a good chunk of this yesterday, Arizona. I did not, I was telling Oz during the break, I did not uh, see much. I saw a tiny bit of Nevada, excuse me, Nevada. Uh, but this video, I am telling you right now, this video, this video that they released yesterday that shows you have to set the scene. And that's what I was telling Oz here during the break. You have to set the scene. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but it's, uh, you know, just like a surveillance, uh, you know, uh, closed caption, uh, video recordings of what's going on within the facility. You know, there's, there's not, I don't know how many frames per second, but it's like a series of still shots. It's, it's it's uh, it's not fluid video. It's good video. It's just it's just not super uh, high number of frames per second or whatever. But you can clearly see what's going on. So the stage was set. So the the people in the room. Keep in mind. So there, there's ballots being counted in Georgia, Fulton County, I guess. And someone walks in to the room. A lady with blonde hair and braids. I don't know if we've identified her yet or what the deal is, but. Anyway, she says we're going to stop counting. She asked the observers to leave the room. They all leave the room. The problem is some people stay behind. So that's the scene of what's going on here. There's tables set up. Looks like they have like the the tablecloths and then the, you know they drape down the sides. It's what it looks like to me. It's from a high angle. So I could be mistaken on this. But then when everyone leaves the room, when everyone leaves the room, now keep in mind by law, people are allowed to watch the counting process. From both sides or from whatever political parties, however many there are, they are allowed by law to have observers. They were asked to leave. Some stayed behind. When they did that, they willed out what's being called a suitcase, but it's more like a big trunk on wheels. They start wheeling these suckers out from under a table. 
And according to, to testimony or what appears to be you know, the, the full picture, there's ballots in this, in these boxes, in these suitcases, in these totes, whatever you want to call these things. Ballots in suitcases, suitcases of ballots, however you want to say this, under the table that do not appear until after people that are supposed to be observing the count leave the room. What there is what is the possible explanation for this? This is this has stirred people in Georgia to a whole new level. In fact, now Governor Kemp, now at this point, December 4th, a full month and a day later than election day, after all the shenanigans, after all of the nonsense, after all of the intimidation and testimony and witnesses and all this stuff after all of that, finally, Governor Kemp is saying he's going to push for a signature audit. And this one of the things that's been debated so highly. Well, that we recounted in Georgia. That's that's what they want you to. That we reco- they did recount, but they didn't go back and see if there were any ballots that shouldn't have been counted the first time. They just recounted what they counted. So. It's like oh I don't even know it's like if you're operating the the uh, I've also said the RCA dome Lucas Oil right and you let well let's assume pl- fans are allowed to go to a game it's as though you say you open up the gates and you let people in you don't check any tickets you don't check any tickets and then uh, Ursay says hey I'd like to know really how many people are supposed to be there how many people paid to be there well. Instead of looking for their tickets, a proof that they'd purchased uh, whatever was necessary to get into the building, just that they go around and they count the people that are in the building. And they assume that everyone in the building is already a paid, uh, a paid customer, paying customer, has a ticket. Well, maybe they don't have a ticket. You got to figure out if they have a ticket, if the ticket's legitimate. Did they steal the ticket? Did they photocopy the ticket? I mean, what is, there's a bazillion possibilities here. You just recount the people that are in there, assuming that every person in there did things according with the law, and poof. Well, look, we did a recount. Mr. Ursay, that's how many people. Same exact number we told you the first time. Mr. Ursay might say, well, why in the world didn't you see if they really actually paid? And when you hear the word audit, that's really the equivalent of what's going on here. People are saying, why don't you actually figure out if any of these votes should be pulled out, do signatures match? Are they legit? Is there a reason to think that I'm going to take a break? But after the break, I want to share with you one of the testimonies that we heard yesterday. The number of people that shouldn't have been casting ballots in Georgia that did is an astronomical number. But nothing to see here. This is just the way that it is. In fact, I saw a Democrat at this hearing yesterday in Georgia actually say that it worked <laughs> – as it was supposed to work. Are you stinking kidding me? I mean, to me, this is the closest thing to an admission of guilt that we've heard. To acknowledge the Georgia election worked as you wanted it to work seems to me the only logical explanation for you to come to that conclusion is if you simply think that an election that works is only an election that results in a Joe Biden victory. There's nothing that worked about that election. There's nothing that worked about Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Nevada or Nevada, Arizona, questions about all these places, even questions in Virginia, probably questions even more so 
more, more widespread than even that. But I got to take a break. I'm going to share this uh, other clip of evidence of the number of ballots that were cast and counted. Again, they're counted. They've been counted twice, but they shouldn't have been voted at all in the state of Georgia. Shouldn't have been counted the first time, let alone the second time. Quick time out is in order. Sit tight. Be back here in just a minute. So I, I told you I was going to play this. This is – I'm going to get to this. Uh, do I have time to do that? I have to read this instead. Sorry. This is someone who testified yesterday in front of the committee in Georgia. He did an analysis, and this is what he found. I'm a witness yesterday. People who – all these groups of – these numbers I'm about to give you are illegally cast votes in Georgia. 2,506 felons voted in Georgia. 66,248 people who were not of the legal age at the time that they registered voted in Georgia. 2,423 unregistered individuals voted in Georgia. 1,043 used the P.O. box as their home address, which is against the law in Georgia. 4,926 were late to register and Georgia voted anyway. 10,315 dead people voted in Georgia. 395 people voted in two states, which is illegal in both states. 15,700 people had filed a change of address order. Now, some of those folks may have been uh, – it's, it's possible that they might not have been making a permanent move and it would have still been legal. But a chunk of those, a sizable chunk, uh, cannot vote. At least that's how I understand it in in Georgia, 40,279 people moved, and then they failed. They, they went to a different county in Georgia and didn't re-register where they lived. They went back and voted in the places that they were before. I don't have the total number, but I do know that Trump is down by a total, if you believe the counts here. Well, the counts are what the counts are, if you believe that they're legitimate or not. 12,670. I don't know. Out of those numbers I read, do you think that there's enough potential fraudulent votes, illegal votes that could potentially affect that election? It seems rather obvious for those of us who have the uh, basic math skills required to do that calculation. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Uh, the holiday season is upon us. The holiday season is upon us. Giving Tuesday was just this just this week. And I want to take a moment here to encourage you to check out caringatchristmas.com. It's our partnership with Shepherd Community Center where they are uh, basically taking donations for toys for those in need on the in their community, the east side of Indianapolis. Visit caringatchristmas.com for more information. Check out how you can help. Guys, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for listening. SDGC Monday. Take care.